as speech pathologists, we, we do really get it. We understand the importance of communication and, and social connections. And it's important to learn that how one way of treating or, or working with a, a client isn't necessarily going to be what works for another client in a different state or from a different tribe. If we've got assessment findings that are robust, then we don't have to make any presumptions. And I strongly believe in the value and worth of what we do and the difference we make. Hello, and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation about an area or topic related to all things speech pathology. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Welcome back to the Speak Up podcast. I'm Annika Flynn, paediatric speech pathologist and member of the Victorian Professional Education Committee. I'm thrilled today to be talking to Professor Pam Snow and Associate Professor Tanya Seri from La Trobe University and co-directors of the Science of Language and Reading Lab, or Solar Lab for short. Welcome to you both and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Annika. It's lovely to be with you. Now, the Solar Lab is a newish venture for you both. I understand that it was learnt, uh, launched earlier this year. I guess to start, it would be really great if you could just explain what the Solar Lab is and how you both became to be involved in it. Um, so, Annika, we launched the Solar Lab earlier this year, back in May, um, really after quite some time of Tanya and I thinking and talking about how we can realise a long-term desire to bring the science of language and reading to the coalface more readily. Um, the coalface being classroom teachers and allied health professionals such as speech language pathologists, educational and developmental psychologists. And also we know that there's a growing interest um, in this area amongst parents and, and parent advocacy groups. Um, it's very important to us as speech language pathologists that um, this um, acronym SOLA has two really important terms in it, or three really, um, science. So we want this to be an evidence-based initiative. Language, as speech language pathologists and as um, people who um, study reading, um, uh, we know that language and language skills are profoundly important in this space. Um, and of course, the reading um, component being the end point because that's so important for all children's um, success. So perhaps Tanya could talk a bit about um, who's part of the Solar Lab and how we're going to grow it. Thanks, Pams. The Solar Lab is literally just a virtual platform. It's not a physical space. That's a pie-in-the-sky dream for down the track. But it's a, a virtual platform for us to bring together our interests, um, both at research and uh, professional learning and advocacy. We're uh, working with some colleagues from La Trobe University. We have some affiliate colleagues from other places. They include other um, university academics and professionals uh, within the area, some, some principals, some developers of, of fabulous resources. And really importantly, we've got all of our graduate research students as part of the Solar Lab as well. So it's growing. Uh, we're halfway through getting our website really well resourced. It's, it's fairly skeletal at the moment, um, but it's an opportunity for us to all bring our shared and varied interests together. Membership um, in terms of disciplines ranges from speech pathologists, uh, teachers, and in, among our graduate research cohort, 
again, they're mixed, uh, mainly teachers and speech language pathologists, uh, with one person who's dual qualified as well. It's so great to see how interdisciplinary it is. That's fantastic. And I know that um, from reading up on some of the information I've, I've touched on so far with the Solar Lab that the scientific and theoretical frameworks are really, really important to your work. And I'm just wondering if you could touch on what those specific foundations are because um, sometimes, I guess, in this area of reading, we know there's foundations out there, but we're a little wishy-washy and it'd be great to know exactly what um, theoretical foundations you're using. Um, Annika, you're right. Uh, theoretical foundations are incredibly important and there are a number of um, different related and complementary theories about what the reading process is and how children go from novice to, if you like, expert capable independent readers, um, we've gone with the, um, the, the so-called simple view of reading, which I like to rebadge as the elegant view of reading. And a lot of listeners um, to this podcast will be familiar with the simple view of reading. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that we're not also interested in um, Max Coulthart's dual processing theory and the Seidenberg four processor um, model. Um, we think it's incredibly important that teachers in particular have access to a theoretical framework and a theoretical framework that positions the key um, core skills that need to be a focus in the early years of reading instruction, most notably decoding ability and language comprehension ability. So the simple view of reading is the one that we've chosen be because of its, um, as I say, elegance um, and the fact that it allows a focus on those areas and, and what's required in terms of teacher knowledge and pedagogy. But um, we are keen to ensure that a range of theoretical perspectives are embraced as well as the really interesting neuroscience work of people such as Stanislas Dehaene who really helps us to understand what's going on um, when children are acquiring a so-called reading brain when they're turning their language brain into a reading brain. Mm, I think lots of speeches would be very excited to hear about all of this, particularly speeches working in schools. Schools um, with no judgment can be a little different depending on where you work in regards to the theoretical frameworks they apply for reading. So it's really wonderful to hear how evidence-based your work is going to be. Um, I guess in terms of speeches that do work in the area of school age literacy, which is a lot of us, how do you think the Solar Lab is going to benefit us? One of the key aspects that I, I really hope is seen and perceived as a major benefit probably links back to a lot of what Pam was saying just a moment ago about the theoretical frameworks. More, It's really um, bridging a, a terminology gap and a theoretical gap that exists between educators and speech-language pathologists. We come from very different paradigms. We are trained in very different ways. And one of the ongoing problems that I've experienced myself clinically and as a researcher as well, um, is the fact that we literally speak a different language. And I see the Solar Lab as being really uh, well positioned to break down those barriers so that we are all talking the same language, even down to things like calling what I was taught as a speech pathology student a consonant cluster. Um, teachers might refer to that as a blend and then sorting out the difference between a blend as in you know, BR in brown and then a diphthong. So being able to really clarify and classi um, you know, clarify terminology is one of the 
probably um, immediate benefits. Uh, bigger picture, it's a big question, but uh, really to uh, reinforce the notion of interdisciplinary work, and that, that includes educational psychs, um, tutors, educational support staff, educational leadership, uh, alongside speech pathology, that we're all really working hand in hand. At the moment, as, as you mentioned, Annika, Schools can vary, even schools from one corner to the next corner can have a very different approach to the way that they um, teach reading instruction, the way that they support struggling readers. Uh, and if, if uh, that, that variability we see is quite problematic. So one of our other drivers is, uh, to use the term of one of our colleagues, Lorraine Hammond, um, she talks about um, a low variability process. So there's not much variation from school to school. At the moment, we know that there is a lot of variation. So our focus on evidence-based practices and interdisciplinary practices is is really central to the Solar Lab, and we do hope to have impact uh, over the next few years in those areas. Yeah, can I just um, add to those wonderful points that Tanya made that and really reinforce the the point about variability. Um, you know, we, we talk about um, the fact that there's um, a wide range of ways in which um, reading is taught, but we can't assume that they're equal in terms of their impact and efficacy, um, and particularly their impact for children in uh, what's often referred to as the tail of the curve. And until we shift and lift the tail of the curve, we're not actually changing reading data in this country or anywhere for that matter. Um, but the other thing that I think Tanya and I are really keen to do is to really give back to teachers a body of knowledge that's been systematically eroded from teacher pre-service education over the last couple of decades. We want to create a world in which people, um, when they go into a school, know that the person in that school who's going to be the most knowledgeable staff member about reading is going to be a teacher about what reading is, how, how best to teach reading, how best to identify struggling readers and support struggling readers. So there, there's a body of knowledge that um, Tanya's alluded to that we think of as the family china that's been snuck out of um, teachers' cupboards mm. over recent decades. And, and we want to um, very explicitly give that knowledge, that family china, back to teachers as a way of improving interdisciplinary functioning and indirectly, I guess, ensuring that the skills and role of speech pathologists is used more efficiently and efficaciously as well, if you think in terms of an RTI, response to intervention model. Absolutely. It all just sounds absolutely fantastic. And I think something that many speech pathologists like myself that do work in schools have been really working towards for a long period of time. And it's so wonderful to have something so formal there backing backing us up for that. Um, I did hear through the grapevine that you were running a, or you did run a course that had over 800 people attend, I believe, which is phenomenal. That's just really showing that there's such a need for this information. And I'm gathering that the people that attended that course were quite varied in terms of their background, but many teachers would have attended. Um, I believe in 2021, there'll be more of these courses that are planned to be rolled out. I'm wondering if you could just um, tell us a bit of information about that and how people could find out how to register? Uh, yes. Well, this was our first um, step or toe in the water to um, introduce some professional learning widely. 
So we set up a short course through La Trobe University and we were hopeful to um, recruit or attract about 50 participants. And as you said, we were completely overwhelmed with the numbers of people that signed up. We think most were teachers. We know that there were some speech pathologists and some parents as well. And this was called an introductory course. So it was an online course. Everything was online at the time, but it um, will continue to be an online course, one and a half hours um, once a week with a series of resources and a quiz built in. So it's a non-award course. People could work at their own pace because everything was recorded. Uh, so we were, as I mentioned, quite overwhelmed with the numbers and we just feel that there is a huge thirst, not a need as much as a thirst for the information. Um, we've got really lovely feedback. I guess the people that sign up to do something are looking for some more information, but we we really got some good feedback um, essentially saying we didn't know enough about this and it's really great to have this all formalised or I'm much more confident now to go back to my school and advocate for more evidence-based practices or decodable readers. In 2021, we are going to repeat that uh, introductory course um, and we've also um, got our first round of the, what we're calling what we are calling our intermediate course as well, which participants don't have to have done the introductory course, but it, it's sort of a logical follow-on, uh, and it will be the same structure, a non-award course. Ultimately, we would like to introduce um, a more formal award course to the university, but we feel that's probably about two years away in terms of development and university process as well. And can I just add there um, that we are also planning a short course in the second half of the year um, for secondary teachers because we know that there's um, a lot of unrest and disquiet amongst secondary teachers around the question of how they deliver a knowledge-rich curriculum to students who in many cases have low to mid-primary level reading, writing and spelling skills. And by the time they're in secondary school, you're starting to see some um, additional um, psychosocial, behavioural, emotional factors as well and associated shame and embarrassment that go along and resistance that go along with low reading abilities. So um, we get a sense that there's quite an appetite out there amongst secondary teachers to know how to better support their students. And also because secondary teachers don't come out of their qualifications or don't necessarily see their role as supporting struggle, students struggling with all aspects of literacy, reading, spelling and writing. But as we all know, they are fundamental skills right across the curriculum, across any discipline area. Uh, so it's a, sometimes a bit of a um, hard sell to um, you know, help a science teacher, for example, see the importance of uh why written expression is so important when we all know why it's so important but increasingly we are getting anecdotal feedback about the numbers of students arriving at secondary school really with uh, uh, literacy skills that aren't anywhere near up to where they need to be to maintain you know progress in their curriculum area. So Pam we might want to just talk a bit about the, our solar schools pilot. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um so we um, have entered into a contractual arrangement with five schools um, for next year, a mix of schools in metropolitan and regional Victoria and a mix of school setting types. Um, we've got everything from um, mainstream primary schools to um, a specialist um, P to 12 or F to 12 um, setting and um, 
a quite complex multi-campus setting in Melbourne. And these are schools that are already in some way on their journey, um, albeit some of them at an early stage, towards taking a more rigorous structured approach to early um, reading instruction. Um, and we're going to be providing bespoke professional learning um, to those schools in a co-designed model, as well as ongoing coaching um, across the year. And we're hoping to turn this into a research platform. We haven't been able to formalise the research side of things just yet because of COVID limitations on research applications. Um, but we've uh, engaged five very enthusiastic partner schools and we're hoping to grow the Solar Schools platform. And we're hoping that in time it'll be um, something that schools are, are really wanting to badge themselves very publicly as, um, as a statement to the world that they take the science of language and reading very seriously and that they've partnered with La Trobe University in that endeavour. That sounds fantastic. What lucky schools they are, those five that were selected. I'm sure that, yeah, they feel very lucky about that. Um, I'm just wondering where um, our listeners could find out more of information about Solar Lab. I know it was touched on that it is a virtual platform and that the website is getting built at the moment, but how can um, our listeners keep abreast of your research and the developments in the project, etc.? Uh, the website is the best source but it's under development, under construction at the moment. There's a very small amount of information, but we are building it with um, information such as any research projects that are going on or profiles and interests of all of, the all of the members of the Solar Lab so that anyone external maybe wants to contact one particular person because of an interest or a discussion point. Um, it will con contain some uh short versions, short segments of some professional learning, just some small clips, um, and probably lots of other things that we are just slowly mapping out at the moment. So I think it's the best uh, platform. I think so. Well. And Annika, we can give you the link, but if people do a Google search on La Trobe University School of Education and Solar Lab, they'll pull up the page. As Tanya said, there's not a lot of information there at the moment. There are links to the short courses and a little bit of information about what our mission and vision is. Um, and uh, we're also wanting the website to be a clearinghouse where people can access, um, open access papers and robust information about the science of language and reading because we know it's frustrating for people in schools that a lot of high quality information is behind firewalls. So we're wanting to make information as readily accessible as we can. Fantastic. So it sounds like it's a work in progress to keep tabs on early next year to see how it evolves. Um, we've chatted about a lot. Is there anything else that you think is really, really interesting and important for speech pathologists in addition to what you've commented on to know about the Solar Lab? Nothing that springs to mind, but um, watch this space, I think. And um, anything that comes up, uh, Tanya and I will share via Twitter. So Twitter is probably the, the most accessible way um, to be hearing about what we're doing. 
Well, they're very, very lucky to have both of you uh, running the show. I tell you, um, with the two of you at the helm, this is going to be such an exciting venture for us to sit back and watch. Thank you so very much for being here and for sharing your expertise with us. It's really appreciated. We know that you're very busy people, so we really appreciate your time. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to you all joining us again um, for the next episode of Speak Up. Thanks so much, Pam and Tanya. Thanks, Annika. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.